All right, thank you again for being here this morning. Uh, before we get to our message, and you're going to want to be in uh, Second Kings, there are a couple of announcements. I do hope that you will be with us Thursday. We, we are taking the Lord's Supper, and I think it's important for the church family to be together on that. It's a time when we reflect on the Lord Jesus Christ and, we, and what he did for us. And so I hope to see you on Thursday night. And we have a, uh, a pregnancy to announce. You're not the one having it, okay? So you can go ahead and clap all you want. It is my daughter, Allison, and my son-in-law, Ryan. They're going to have our 15th grandchild. Let's give them a hand. (coughs) Of course, Allison's not here. She's not feeling well today. So there you go. That's the reason. And that is Ryan's fault, okay? All right, we're going to (coughs) look at 2 Kings chapter number 15. Um... People, are, people like big events. The next exciting experience in life's huge. Um, by the way, that's the scourge of social media, right? Everything's got to be over the top. The great place that we ate. That's why people don't pick, post pictures of McDonald's. Like, I just had this, this uh, super great uh, Big Mac like, yeah, text me tomorrow and tell me how that worked out for you, okay? Some activity they go to or vacation. I always joke around that <coughs> we're on <coughs> vacation. You know, the family gets together and we'll stop in Oregon and beautiful scene and we're all standing there smiling. But we were not smiling five minutes before that in the car, okay? Uh, especially when you have kids in the car. It's like, uh, you know, you strap them down and pray for God's grace. You know, life isn't made up of big, big, huge moments. It, it, life isn't about, let me rephrase that. Life isn't just about the big, phrase, the big moments in life. Yeah. We like the big, flashy things. Uh, it's funny. People come to California <coughs> on vacation, and I want to be by the beach, and, and I want to see all the water and all the thing, and we all live there, and we hardly ever go to the beach. Uh, before we before we got our, our our house, we were we were managing a property literally, brother Ivan, one block from the beach, one block from the beach. We probably went down there five times in the three years that we were there, and it's like I mean literally, if we just stepped out and looked the right way, we could see the water, because we we, we get used to things. Life isn't made up of the big special things. It's really made up of the, of the regular experiences. <clears throat> we're looking for some great thing in our life. And I want <clears throat> to tie that into what we're going to talk about this morning. Naaman <clears throat> was a great military leader for Syria. Now, Syria were the enemies of Israel. And it just seems by reading the verse that, that's, that, that Naaman was a decent guy. Although they were, God had used Syria sometimes to bring punishment to Israel because of their disobedience, but he seemed like a pretty decent guy, but he had leprosy. Leprosy was a pretty bad thing to have back in those days. Uh, Naaman, as he gets this leprosy, which is a, a, a really, a, a, it's, it's, a, it's a blow to your life, he has a little maid. Several years before, in one of the wars, someone had grabbed a young maiden and brought her in as a servant, and she ended up being a servant to, to uh, Naaman's wife. She hears that Naaman has, has leprosy, and she just verbalizes, man, it's too bad he wasn't in Israel because there's a prophet there that could help him. 
Well, somebody hears that, <coughs> and it's passed on, and it's passed on, and the king of Syria hears about it. And Naaman's one of his guys, one of his top guys. And so his idea is, let me write a letter, and I'll send it to the king of Israel, and we'll send him to be healed of his leprosy. And so they send some people, and Naaman's around there, and they go to see the king of Israel, and he gets the letter. He misinterprets the letter. Because the king of Syria didn't understand it was a prophet. It wasn't the king that was going to heal him. And the king reads the letter, and it's like, I can't heal this guy. Syria is just trying to stir up trouble to cause another war. Elijah hears about it and says, look, send him to me. It's about time that these people understood that there's a prophet in Israel. And so he comes, and on his way to, to Naaman's way to see Elisha, the man who's supposed to heal him, Elisha didn't even go out to talk to him. Elijah just sends instructions. Hey, go tell him to do this seven times Jordan River and he'll be healed. He'll be fine. And Naaman hears that and look at verse 11 how he reacts to the instructions. <coughs> but Naaman was wroth. That means mad. And he went away and said, behold, I thought he will surely come out and stand and call in the name of the Lord and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not Abana and Parpar, rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Why, I, why may I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. You see what he said? He said, wait a minute. I, I expected Elijah to come out, and I expected it to be like one of these false healing things these, these false prophets have, like Benny Hinn and others. Where they're going to come and, and they're going to do all this goofy stuff and pray and do all this weird and call upon God and fire or whatever. He just thought something great is going to, magical is going to happen. And all this religious, he goes, and then he says, look, the rivers where I come from are much better than the rivers of Israel. Why should I listen to him? And he leaves. He wanted some super spiritual experience. Some super exclusive way to get the miracle. Fine. He had a servant that had rationale. Look what the servant says to him. <coughs> uh, several. And his servants came and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather then would he saith unto thee, Wash and be clean? Do you see the common sense there? He's like, man, if he would have came out there and he would have had the, 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 the pony show and all this weird stuff and said, you have to do all these goofy things, you'd have done it. He goes, so why are you upset when he said, just go wash and be clean? Why are you stumbling over the simplicity? Naaman listens. He goes down, verse 14, he says, then he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came <coughs> again like unto the flesh of a little child. And he is clean. He's healed. But not because of some great thing. Because he listened to a common sense, easy to understand instructions. As I said, life is not made up of the great things. We live our whole lives wanting some little great, wonderful thing, and we miss the 99% of life that we live. But here's the problem. Spirituality is not made up of great things. We like the big-time things, right? 
Our church around here, we like, we like the Easter Sundays and the friend days and all the special days that we do and all this stuff. But what about a Sunday like today? There's nothing special going on. Like, well, church service is always special, okay? But there's no big deal except for the Filipino anniversary. We're 21 today, and no, we're not going to drink, okay? So we're not doing that. We're 21, and we're going to eat lunch together afterwards. Filipinos, those who came to the Filipino class, the rest of you, pray for us. We'll have a really good time. But we like the big days. Who doesn't want to be a part of that? But if all you're looking for in life is the great things, we miss out on the extraordinary experiences of the everyday things. Now, I like to go away. I like to get away with my wife. But if I only like being with her when we go away, then I miss all the other times. I like being with my family most of the time, okay? Uh, but if it's only on vacation, then I miss out on the rest of the times. If we're looking for it in spirituality as well, or looking for the great things, we miss out on the unnoticed blessings of the other things. What is the great? See, he said, <coughs> if the prophet had said, do some great thing, that's what Naaman wanted. But you know the greatest thing that could happen to us is salvation. But the great thing is not what it takes to get salvation. The great thing is salvation. Do you understand that? See, people stumble over that. They want all this weird stuff to happen. And you got to do the great. And if you do all the stuff and jump through all the hoops, then you get salvation. No, 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 no. Salvation is the great thing. And we stumble over that. Naaman didn't realize that what he was told to do would lead to a great thing. Salvation's great because it gives us a hope of a better eternity. Salvation's great because it gives us a hope of a better future on this earth. Salvation is great because it gives us a better present. The greatness was not in the instructions to follow. It was in the results of the obedience to those instructions. The greatest thing is receiving Christ. Now, if we want to see that kind of great thing happen, what do we have to do? There's three things I see in here to get the great thing. And it's very simple. First of all, there was a messenger. Naaman's story would have stopped very, very, very early on had he not heard about the possibility that he could be healed. There are several messengers here. What about the one who gave the invitation, the young lady? Verse 3, and she said unto her mistress, <coughs> Would to God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would have recovered him of his leprosy. She just spoke that. She was sad for Naaman. She somehow liked the family and loved and cared for them and said, here's a place where he could go and possibly be healed. You know what the world needs? The world needs the message of Christ. It does. And they're not going to hear it from out there. They're going to hear it from those of us in here. And it is our responsibility she gave an invitation. By the way, we can give an invitation too, right? <clears throat> How about giving people an invitation to church? You like coming to church. You know what? Bring someone with you. How hard is it just to hand out an invitation? I went to church, and I, I'm not going to belabor the point Easter, but simply what? I was invited. That's all. It wasn't anything. We are just, look, I'm going to church. It's Easter. Why don't you just come with me? And I came. How about an invitation to Christ? 
We have to get people to Jesus Christ. By the way, you're here this morning, you don't need him. You need to get to him. There is, it's, life is so much better. But there was an invitation given by that young lady. Now, there was one who had the wrong kind of invitation. One who gave an excuse. That king was ignorant. You see, when it came to the king and, and, and the king of Assyria got confused and thought the king was going to heal him, instead of the king of Israel having enough spiritual sense to say, he obviously made a mistake. By the way, the king of Israel, he knew, he knew who Elisha was. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was not, he was on his radar. And, and, and so instead of saying, he made a mistake, let me funnel him the right way, he totally, well, what's going on? He's just trying to cause a war. Spiritually, ignorant. By the way, and I'm, not, I'm, I'm saying this in a nice way, we don't need excuses. We need people that will care. And do what they can. Look, when I started going to church, I was clueless. I didn't know anything about, about how to explain salvation. I just knew I was saved. And I'm like, <coughs> I'm going to church. And so I started with who I could. My mom, like, why don't you, my mom, she'd come, to, let's go to church. And my mom started coming. And then my aunt and my grandma lived together down the street, and they started coming with us. And then my brother-in-law and my sister lived in our house. And as I got right with God, I was concerned about my brother-in-law. I knew my sister had been saved before. And <coughs> I was like, how do I talk to this guy? And I got up one Sunday to get ready for church, and he was already ready. He said, I'm going to church today. And he came to church, and he got saved that Sunday. And he walked the aisle, and he got baptized. Now, I had got right with God, John, and I hadn't been baptized yet. And I'm like, I need to get baptized. And this guy beat me to it. And so now I had my mom going, and I had my aunt, my grandma, myself, my brother-in-law, my sister. And then my aunt Nancy started coming. And my aunt, um, uh, uh, not Alice, my aunt Vera started coming. And then my Uncle Jim and my aunt, Aunt Judy. Jim's, Jim's he, 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 he's already in heaven. And Jim started coming. And I remember the pastor went to, after he came to church, the pastor went to witness to him. And he says, I, I don't want to get saved. And then about a week later, he was driving on the freeway, eating something, he got caught in his throat. And he couldn't breathe. And, he was, and all he was thinking about was like, man, I should have got saved. And he said he's driving, and he's like, I got to do a self-Heimlich maneuver. And he did, and he was able to clear his throat. Guess who he called when he got home? Pastor Black. He got saved. Listen, next thing I know, <coughs> every Sunday, there was two full pews of my family members in church. And then we'd go eat together afterwards. <coughs> I didn't know what I was doing. I just like, I can invite that one, and I can invite that one, and I can invite that one. We can do that, or we can make excuses. <coughs> I started bringing my friends to church. I didn't know. And by the way, I set them up. I'm not saying you do this. I bring my friends to church because they're like, what happened to you? I'm like, I don't know. Come to church. Let's figure this thing out. And they come to church, and during the invitation, I didn't even tell them. I'm like, come with me. And they're like, okay. And I bring them down to the front, and uh, Brother Sisson, like, and I, so it was, probably, it was disrespectful, right? Hey, Dave. His name was Dave. Dave, these are my friends. They need to get saved. And they're looking at me like, what? I'm like, just go talk to Dave. He'll take care of you. And several of my friends got saved. We can make excuses or we can just do what we can. Yep. <coughs> there was another one. 
who gave an instruction, right? Look at verse 10. Elisha sent a messenger unto him saying, go and wash in Jordan seven times. And now, and thy flesh shall come again to thee and thou shalt be clean. That is it. That, that, that was simple, right? It wasn't like, Here, let me give you a list of things. He goes, just go tell him to go to the Jordan River, dip seven times, and he'll be fine. That's yeah. like, that was, that was pretty concise. That was pretty easy. It's funny. <clears throat> we come to church, we read our Bibles, and yet we have no clue how to guide other people on the right path. Right? I heard the story. I've told it several years ago. There was a guy who got hit by a car. And he's laying in the street, and, and he, he, it's obvious that he ain't going to make it. And this crowd had gathered around him, and somebody said, okay, he's not going to make it. He needs spiritual help. And he says, is there a preacher here that can talk to this guy? Everybody was silent. He said, okay, okay, is there anybody that just goes to church? And they all stared at each other, and one guy's like, well, I, I've been to church. And he goes, I don't have to tell him. He goes, just tell him what you heard at church. The guy gets down on his face and says, B-17, G-14. <laughs> Bingo, thank you for coming. <laughs> I don't think that helped. Why don't we learn how to encourage people to get to the right place to get help? <clears throat> and then finally, <clears throat> the kicker is the one who gave encouragement. Verse 13, his servant. His servant was the one that stepped up and said, listen, you're missing it. If he had said, do something just outrageous, you would have listened. He just said, go wash and be clean. How hard is that? Do you know people need encouragement? If his servant hadn't stepped up, he would have went back and he would have remained unclean. By the way, you think people need encouragement today? Everything is negative. I don't know what they're teaching reporters. They, they can turn anything into a negative. Everything's because of climate change. That's why it was hot last summer. Okay, it rained all this winter. That's climate change too. It's like, so what do you want? You know, 65 degrees every day? But we just, we, we give everything a negative spin, don't we? People need help. <clears throat> Think of people that are going through things. You know, life can be tough. Stress is real. I understand all that. They need people who are an encouragement. I'd rather be a person who shares encouragement than a person that makes people's burdens worse. And if you know the Lord, you have the answer. So there was a messenger, and thank God there was a message. What was the message? You know what the message was? It was a message of hope. See, we don't understand... <coughs> Do you know, let's take, I don't know how Syria handled it, but let's see how God handled leprosy. See, now leprosy is only in parts of the world that don't get, you know, soap and, and, and whatever things in and, 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 and very, very poor countries. But leprosy is not something that, that is in the United States. It was very, very serious back then. It was very, very, it would literally eat your flesh. And it was so contagious that when someone got leprosy, they had to leave their families, leave everything they know, and go to a leper camp. And they were, their life was over. That was it. Because, not that they were trying to ostracize them, but because it was so contagious. This guy's life was done. But he heard, hey, there's a prophet over there. 
and I wish he was over there, he could get help. You know people need hope. If you just read the newspaper, you just listen to what everybody says, it's like, there's no hope in this world. World War III is on the way. Eggs are going to be 100. We, we were concerned about the price of gas. Man, I just want to be able to buy a dozen eggs. You know, and everything. By the way, electric bills. I get my electric bill, I sit down, and I put my seatbelt on. Gas and water, how many of you seen those? I'm going to give the city of Long Beach a lot of credit here. They were brutally honest. I looked at the last bill, and I'm like, I knew it went up, and there was another paper said, by the way, they're going to keep going up. I'm like, thank you, I'm encouraged. But people need hope in this world. Why don't we give it to them? <clears throat> I don't want to be a person. I want to be a person that says, you know what? I know things may look bad, but man, with Jesus Christ, things are better. There's hope of eternal life. There's the hope of a God who listens to us when we pray. There's a hope of a God who loves us and knows everything that's going on. And there's a hope of fellow Christians that we can get together and love the Lord. But it was also a message of truth. Let me just say that. Elijah didn't mince words. He said, this is what you got to do. It was very easy. Why is it people get offended when you tell them the truth? We are so afraid to just say what this book says. There's no hope unless we follow the truth. And the truth sometimes is not very nice. <clears throat> See, what you, we, want, we want people to tell us what we want to hear, not but what we need to hear. Sometimes I'll jokingly say, I haven't done it in a while. Someone will come in and say, well, here's what's going on. What do you think? And I'm like, okay, do you want me to say something cute or do you want me to say something helpful? Let me know. I'm joking when I say that. But, but look, how would you, you go to the doctor. Doctor says you have stage four whatever. It's like, uh, that's negative, bro. You want the truth. Doctor says you need to have surgery now. Hey, 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 you trying to mess up my schedule? No, we want the doctor to say, hey, hey, here's the problem. Here's what you need to fix it. How about your auto mechanic? Like, you know, you bring your car in and three of the tires are flat and it's leaking oil and it won't start. He says, it's good. You could drive this around the world. He's being a liar. See, we want the truth in every area of life. Why is it we don't want the truth spiritually? <coughs> he got mad. By the way, you don't want your tax man. Are you okay there? Yeah, I'll just sign language. Still sounds like I'm in a tin can. By the way, this time of year, you don't want the tax man lying either. Like, no, it'll, it'll go through, no problem. You don't owe anything, and then you get a bill, amen? Okay, we'll move on there. It's a message of truth. Do I need to switch? Oscar? Okay, Oscar's the man. <coughs> and here's the problem. Here's another reason people stumble over it. It's a message of simplicity, right? What did he say? Look, don't stumble over the fact that it's simple. Do you know the Christian life? Let me just say this. It's simple. I'm a sinner. I deserve to go to hell. Jesus died for my sins. He's the only one that can pay for them. And I have to put my trust only in him for salvation. That's simple. But it's effective. After I'm saved, you know what God wants me to do? God wants me to get closer to him. To be, come to church and learn his word. To read the Bible and learn his word. And to do what he says so he can bless my life. That is simple. And we try to complicate things. I don't like complication. 
right? That's why, guys, we don't like reading instructions. Like, how to put this together. It's like, man, it's only 100 pieces. I should be able to figure that out. We don't like complications. But we complicate things that should not be complicated. Then lastly, <coughs> because all of this was followed, thank God there was a miracle. There was a miracle. The miracle of cleansing. Look at verse 14. Then he went down <coughs> and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little baby. And he was clean. That's significant. It's significant because um, leprosy eats at your flesh. It ruins your skin. And now he's completely cleansed. But none of that happens unless there's someone to give the message and to give the right message. He was cleaned. And not only that, there's a miracle of change. See, the salvation is not a small thing because it opens the door to greater things. See, the things that take place in our life or can take place in our life, it, it, it's, it's wrapped up in the package of salvation, as it were. In other words, if salvation is a present that you receive, inside of that box are a lot of really good things. And a lot of that revolves around change. Think of the change in his life. He's going back. He didn't lose his job. That was the king's motivation. This guy is a super good you know, general or whatever he was, I don't want to lose this guy. He didn't lose his family. He didn't lose his future. He didn't, all that stuff was gone, but now that he's cleansed, he got it all back. By the way, when you're saved, maybe you got saved a little later, there's some things sometimes we lose in life, we can get those things back. Maybe not to the degree that they were before, but things can be better. Say, man, I'm, I've had a horrible marriage. Are you saved now? You can have a better marriage. Man, I've struggled as a father. I've, I've struggled as a, a mother. I've struggled with my children. Are you saved now? You can be better at those type of things. I've been selfish, and, and I've had trouble in all my relationships, and, and I've just, all these things that are going on. Hey, are you saved? Those things can be better now. But we stumble over it. Listen, <clears throat> he almost stumbled over the simplicity of, because he didn't realize the great thing wasn't in how you get salvation, but in once you get salvation. Now, let me say this, and I'm done. This world needs this. Amen. It does. Amen. You might be in here this morning, and you need it. <coughs> but you know how the world gets it from us? There's got to be a messenger. There's got to be someone who either verbally or their life points to a better way. The world has to have that. Now, what about you? The great thing is not what we have to do to get Christ, but what's available and what could happen after we receive Christ. And so if that's not taking part in your life, you need to allow that to take part in your life. Maybe you say, I'm saved, but I'm not catching any of this stuff. Have you settled for salvation and that's it? Don't you want the abundant life? Maybe, maybe you have all that and what are we doing to, to help others? I was not a perfect young man, and I was still growing in many areas of my life. I still am, trust me, but, but back then, I especially was growing in a lot of the areas. But I didn't want that to stop me from getting what I thought was great to other people, to other people. And I did everything I could to share it the best of my ability. I'm just kind of like, if I got something that's good, I want other people to have that. That's the great thing. Are we sharing the great thing? 
Let's bow our head and close our eyes for a minute if we may. Every head bowed and every eye closed. <coughs> I know a lot of newer Christians are in a Sunday morning service. And this kind of message is really, it's a next level. It's going past the, I'm new and, and, and I'm trying to figure this Christianity out and, and I'm trying to, to develop and strengthen a relationship with God. It's moving past that to taking it to other people. Taking it to other people. Getting it in our life and being like that servant. Being like Elijah. Being like the young maid to help. The world needs it today. You know, Christianity is not really popular with our politicians and our media, but there's people out there that'll listen because they know they need something. I knew I needed something as a young man. I was tired of my life. I was tired of the direction it was heading. I was tired of the things I was doing, and I wanted something different. And I'm glad there were people there to point me in the right direction. And I couldn't help but try to point others that same direction. Maybe you're here this morning. <coughs> Maybe you're more like Naaman before he got healed. You have a spiritual leprosy, which all of us have had. What do I mean? <coughs> Here's a question. Are you 100% for sure that if you were to die today, that you would go to heaven? Are you sure that you're like Naaman, you're cleansed? Or do you have some doubt that can be settled today? With nobody looking around, if you're here this morning, you say, you know, Pastor, that's me. I am not 100% for sure that if I were to die today, I'd go to heaven. But that's something I'd like to know. Pastor, would you pray for me? Anybody like that at all? Just briefly put your hand up until I see it, and I'll pray for you. Then you can put it down. Anybody at all? Let's all stand together if we may. The pianist is going to play. Maybe God spoke to your heart about being a messenger. Maybe God has spoken to your heart about getting the message out, to be an encourager, to be a helper, to point people to Jesus Christ in the way of life. There's nothing greater than that. Why don't you come?